Welcome to Wiregrass Daily News Sports. This is your daily look at sports in the Wiregrass and the Southeast. Dothan Wolves on 96.9, the legend producer, Philip Jordan, breaks the news, covers the games, and talks to experts in the Wiregrass and Southeast. And now, Philip Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Thursday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Of course, I am your host, Philip Jordan, in-studio host and producer of the Wolves Football on 96.9 The Legend and Auburn Rider for last word on college football. We have a fun show planned for you guys today. I don't have one. I have two guests on the show. And we're going to jump into those conversations really, really quickly. I'm first going to be joined by Zach Nagy. He covers LSU over at LSU Country for Sports Illustrated. We will jump into what's been issues with LSU defensively, look back at their game against Missouri, talk about Jaden Daniels and preview their matchup with Auburn. And then after that, I'll be joined by Connor Goodson, who covers the Arkansas Razorbacks for Razorbacks Wire. We'll do the same thing with him. The season so far for Arkansas, and also look at uh, their matchup with Alabama. Can they upset Alabama? How can they do it? Look, Arkansas's top five in sacks in the SEC. We know Alabama struggles with pass protection at times. Maybe that's a spot Arkansas can exploit and stay in the game. And also, they got a good quarterback, Cater Jefferson. They just got to be able to protect him and get their top-notch running back, Rocket Sanders, some room to as well. So we'll jump into those conversations. They go about 31, 32 minutes all together. I think you enjoy it. Here you go. He is the publisher over at LSU Country. Uh, so we're going to dive into LSU Tigers and Auburn Tigers. Another battle of Tigers for LSU. I guess they're just going to line them all up back to back like that. But, uh, Zach, I appreciate you coming on for a few minutes to talk about LSU Tigers. Of course, man. It's It's been a crazy year so far. You know, obviously two early losses kind of transitioning, to, you know, as SEC play ramps up. But I'm excited to get it going. Let's do this thing. Yeah, so uh, I guess um, – Every week uh, with LSU, we can expect high-scoring uh, uh, games. And uh, Jaden Daniels just showing the country why he should be a, a Heisman finalist. Look, man, because well, you and I, we'll get into the defense. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We were talking about that in a production meeting. But, man, this this offense is, is something special. And you can't really overlook what Jaden Daniels is doing. It's historic. And it's, you know, it's kind of a shame that, for the most part, it, it got overlooked because of those two early losses in the season. But – Man, what Jaden is doing is tremendous. It's a balanced attack with his legs, his arm. He's finally trusting his arm. He's pushing the ball downfield, utilizing both of his weapons and Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. It's it's something special with what with what Jaden Daniels is doing. And like you said, man, you know what you're getting from this offense. You're going to get 40, 45, maybe 50 points a night. So it, it's been tremendous. And the, the balanced attack that offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock is dialing up week in and week out is, has really been spectacular. Yeah, you know, you talk about Jaden Daniels. You talk about trusting his own more. But what are some other things you've kind of seen from him versus this year for last year? Because this year it feels like, you know, last year at times he kind of was safe with the ball sometimes, didn't yeah. really want to push it into certain windows. This year he seems a lot more aggressive, like I said, trusting his arm. But what are some other things you've seen, you know, different from him from this year from last year? Yeah, so, man, it's year two in the system. And I think that plays a tremendous role for somebody like Jaden Daniels. You know, he's more comfortable in his own skin. He's more comfortable in Baton Rouge. He's more comfortable with Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator, Brian Kelly, everything. And for him, when I kind of get the chance to talk to him, it's all about comfort. And that's that's really how he's feeling right now. And 
he, he keeps talking about how much, you know, from a preparation perspective, you know, you're going to have to do the same thing every single week. But now he knows what he's getting himself into. It's his second season also in SEC ball. So he understands the competition level, the atmosphere, just everything all in all is, is something that I've noticed from Jaden. He's just way more comfortable. And I've said it five times within this one statement, but that's really what it's all about. It's just a comfort level of his own. And like I said, man, trusting his arm. There were boxes that needed to be checked off for Jane Daniels to kind of hit that next gear. Trust the intermediate balls, deep balls, trust his arm, like I said. And he's, he's really doing that. And now you're seeing him unlock this new level that he's able to get to right now. And, you know, he should he should very well be in this Heisman conversation. Hey, he is not the uh, the first uh, quarterback to transfer in to LSU to have a major jump in year two. I'm just going to – everybody knows who I'm talking about with that one. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is kind of in a way it's going to be sad because he, he's having this great year. But, you know, when you look at it in, in the range, Joe Burrow, you know, everybody knows 2019. But the receivers, too. I mean, Malik Neighbors, you know, Brian Thomas, Brian Thomas, you know, the emergence of him at the number two spot. We knew Malik Neighbors comes in here. But, man, Brian Thomas just hit him now exploding. You can't double Malik because you got the other guy over there. So it's really putting a pressure on the defense when you got two guys like that. Yeah, and, and that's a fantastic point because kind of towards, you know, I guess the second or third week, teams were playing bracket coverage on Malik Neighbors where the safety was spying on Malik. You'd have a corner on him. So indirectly, it's kind of a double team trying to take him out of the game. And with that, you, you saw Brian Thomas just eat. I mean, he's leading the nation and receiving touchdowns with nine. He's getting everything he wants. And that connection with, you know, Jaden Daniels is something that's emerged, you know, in a tremendous way. And it, it's something special, and we talk about the receivers because they're doing so fantastic, and Jaden Daniels has been fantastic. But the emergence of Notre Dame transfer Logan Diggs has been something mm-hmm. to kind of harp on a little bit as well, man. He could very well be on pace to get 1,000 yards this season. It's It'll be close. He'll probably end around that, you know, 850, 920 range. But, look, man, for him to be killing it on the ground as well opens up this offense to a whole nother dimension. And you're seeing somebody like Brian Thomas Jr. reap the benefits of that. Yeah, I feel like last year at times, Jaden Daniels had to also be the running game. Like the running game wasn't always there, but now you've got Logan Diggs. That just adds to it. I mean, yeah, Jaden Daniels may go over 100, but he doesn't have to be that for them. It's just that's what he's doing because he's an incredible talent. So, yeah, that that's a, that's a big thing for LSU with that run game too because I think it was la- it was lax last year. Yeah, and I mean, for the most part, you've, you've eight scholarship running backs in on your team, and that's unheard of in SEC play. That's unheard of at the college level for the most part. To have eight guys on scholarship and, you know, have so many weapons in your arsenal is fantastic. But Logan Diggs has taken over this running back room in a big way. And to what you were saying, yeah, I mean, last season, Jaden Daniels served as your, for the most part, your entire offense, man. He was using his legs, taking some hits, running, passing, doing everything he needed to do. And the emergence of, you know, Logan Diggs has really taken some weight off his shoulders and allowed this offense to, you know, get to that next gear, next level. So uh, I really wanted to start off on a positive note uh, when we're talking LSU. So that's oh, we'll get to the defense. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, the defense a part of it. Of course, we'll, we'll get into the Missouri game too. Uh, another slow start for his defense. Uh, yeah. Gave up a lot of yards. I mean, Brady Cook had 411 yards, two interceptions. First time he's been picked off though since October of 22nd last year against Vanderbilt. So they mm-hmm. ended that impressive feat by him. But you know, and I, I talked to a buddy of mine. I got, I got a, uh, one of my really good friend one of my best friends is an LSU fan and I'm like I knew going into the year and I love your take on this obviously uh that the secondary could be an issue but up front the front seven and I'm like it doesn't feel like there should be any excuse for them to be this bad defensively right. for what they have in that front seven uh you watching this team every week what's the what's the issue if we're just going to stick solely on that front seven it, it, it's a really challenging um 
piece to dive into, in my opinion, just because you have such fantastic weapons. Makai Wingo, he started off the first three weeks as an all-SEC candidate type of guy, and he was balling out. Makai looked fantastic, and he kind of got into this spot where he wasn't, you know, doing everything that he was doing for the first three weeks. He hit a not a not a breaking point because it's a horrible word choice, but just couldn't get to that spot that we knew he could get to. And then Mason Smith, I mean, that's the talk of the town. It's like, where, where's he been at? What's going on? And Mason suffered a sprained ankle during fall camp, and we kind of watched him limp off the field. And ever since then, they kind of held him out a little bit, and he couldn't get to that next gear. And then you saw him on Saturday really have his best game. You know, probably in maybe if it's not career, but, I mean, dude, he looked fantastic. And we know that he can get to that next level. We know that what he brings to the table. And you look at that second level of defense as well when you're looking at the front seven. And Harold Perkins is a fantastic edge rusher, man. And for the first one, two, three weeks, they were utilizing him as just an inside linebacker and not allowing him to do what he does best. And Brian Kelly described it as kind of, you know, see ball, get ball type thing, man. He just, wherever the ball was at, he got there, did what he needed to do. And now they're starting to allow him to go back to that type of, you know, ball player, that playmaker, that weapon, and starting to become a more balanced attack. And alongside him as well as somebody like Whit Weeks, true freshman, man, he, he's been fantastic. So to answer your question best I can is, it's a complicated scenario just because you know that you have the talent, but you just have to simplify the scheme, allow your players to do what they do best. And in turn, you'll see that front seven, you know, hit their stride as SEC play continues because, you know, that gauntlet, we're in, the, we're in the midst of that gauntlet. It's about to get even more scary over the next couple of weeks. So, you know, simplify the scheme, allow your playmakers to do what they do best. And in turn, you'll see that front seven shine. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, just you know, like I said, the talent. But uh, the Missouri game. Uh, now they only gave up 14 points in the second half. It, it didn't start good, 22-7 early, but then uh, they were able to uh, play much better second half. Like I said, got the big interception to, to close the deal. Uh, did, what positives did you see out of the defense there in the second half that allowed LSU to come back and then you know obviously they they take the win. Look, I know that I know the talk of the town is that secondary just because it's so shaky and it's been such a struggle, but. When you see somebody like Major Burns step up on that last possession, get that pick six, even though some said he probably should have knelt the ball and, and slid down and not scored. Um, to see somebody like him step up in a big way is tremendous. To see your leaders be vocal, talking, um, kind of, you know, holding players accountable was something that I took. But if we're talking from a scheme perspective, you, you saw your front guys kind of do what they needed to do. Mason Smith handled business. He got in the backfield. You saw Harold Perkins shine as well. He had that blocked field goal and that interception. You saw your playmakers make plays. And you saw Matt House simplify the scheme. So everything that I was saying two minutes ago, you saw in the second half of that Missouri game. And that's kind of why, I, you know, the aforementioned statement, which is why I said that, just because, you know, if you simplify the scheme and allow playmakers to do what they need to do, you'll get the result. And you saw that in the final 30 minutes of the game. Yeah, then, of course, uh, Jaden Daniels puts on the Superman cape and uh, does what he does. I mean, he got, you know, banged up earlier in the game. We, we saw Garrett Nussmeyer uh, come in. But any concern, you know, just the fact that, we don't see Jaden Daniels slide or a lot of times get out of bounds. He'll, he'll take on those hits and you got to kind of be worried about that, especially, you know, the coaching staff. Okay. We enjoy it. We're glad you're picking up the big yardage, but you're taking some hits in the process as well. Uh, but just, you know, just talking about his play there in the fourth quarter, LSU scored 17 points there, uh, hit Malik neighbors with a touchdown. He had a run, big run in there too, as well. Just, you know, once again, putting on that Superman cape. It's what he does best, man. He, it's, it's been a heroic season for that matter. I'm um, kind of to hone in on what you said before, man. He needs to slide. He needs to get out of bounds because he's jumping, putting his body in the line. And at some point in time, you're going to have to relax a little bit because obviously he came down with that rib injury. And we talked to Brian Kelly earlier today. All is good on that note. You know, he, he's, he's going to be a full participant in practice. So from an injury perspective, he wasn't even on the report. So he's good. But 
aside from that, yeah, it, it's been a heroic season from Jaden Daniels, man. He has been fantastic. Like we said a couple minutes ago, just trusting his arm, not necessarily forcing things. And, you know, getting the ball into tight windows, going over 15 yards on passes. It's It's been fantastic, man. There's not many things to nitpick from what Jaden Daniels has done this year. His numbers are amazing. Um, his production is fantastic. His leadership's fantastic. Brian Kelly has nothing but positive things to say about his signal caller. So what he's doing, man, it, it's a damn shame that that defense struggled over the first couple of weeks. And I'm hoping they can hit that next gear, like I've said a million times, over the back end of the season because, you know, these are Heisman numbers and, you know, it's not even close. He he should be in that top two, top three, top four conversation, and there should be no hesitancy about it. Yeah, you know, the positive is, yes, they have two losses, but from an SEC yeah. standpoint, they only have one. And you still have Alabama, and I'm sorry, Ole Miss is not going to go through the rest of the schedule with just one loss. That's just my opinion uh, on Ole Miss. So uh, very much a lot to play for LSU when it comes to the SEC. Now, you talked about the defense. I think, uh, Zach, they can actually get a get-right game this upcoming Saturday <laughs> against the Auburn because I looked at the matchup and I told a buddy of mine, I said, oh, this is weakness versus weakness, I guess you'll say. The LSU defense versus the Auburn offense. Uh, when you look at this matchup with Auburn, of course, this is year one with you freeze um, Auburn's rebuilding. I mean, Brian Harson really messed up the talent there at Auburn. I mean, even Hugh freeze said before the season uh, when he got there, he said, didn't he look like a, a, what an Auburn roster should look like? Oh, uh, what Auburn? any concerns with, you know, stuff they could maybe do that could give LSU some issues. You know, obviously it, it's, it's tough because their offensive production is so there's really not one guy that jumps off the page specifically. It's pretty balanced. It's a spread attack. There's not many guys who necessarily jump off the page and say, wow, I need to worry about that guy and that guy only because they don't really have that go-to guy, in my opinion. They have weapons, but not necessarily that one guy. Peyton Thorne's a fantastic quarterback. Um, his numbers might not show it, and sometimes his decision-making might not be the best in the world, but he's a good quarterback. And, you know, when you're playing a secondary like LSU, man, anything can happen on any given night. They're just so inconsistent, and they've just struggled so much that – any quarterback can do whatever they need to do, man. Even against Grambling in week two, we saw their quarterback handle business, connect a touchdown in the left side of the end zone over Denver Harris. So, you know, talent level is a struggle in the secondary. So, you know, I just want to see what this passing attack can do. I know it's not their strong suit, but when I'm looking at Auburn, I want to see if they can try to exploit the secondary because it's such a position of weakness going into the back end of SEC play. Yeah, there's a thing for you. I believe Auburn has not thrown 100 yards in six consecutive games against uh, Power Five opponents. So, uh, yeah, so it's uh, Auburn would be happy with 100 yards passing yep. uh, this Saturday. Of uh, the LSU offense versus the Auburn defense, um, Auburn's defense has played well this year. Uh, they they did. Hey, if they didn't have to guard Brock Bowers, they really would have done a great job against Georgia. Uh, but. Game. Yeah, absolutely. But they haven't met a quarterback like Jane Daniels and the receivers that they're going to face here. And, I, and Auburn's most experienced part of the defense is their secondary when healthy. Uh, so kind of the same question there, oh, that matchup, where, what do you see there? I mean, you said it best. I mean, from an experienced perspective, they've got it down pat for Auburn. And when you're going up against, you know, receivers that are also experienced, man, Malik Neighbors is fantastic. Brian Thomas is fantastic. Unfortunately, Chris Hilton probably won't play this week, and he's a fantastic vertical threat that I'd love to see go up against those seasoned secondary players. But, you know, that that's something that I want to see. I want to see Jaden Daniels trust his arm again and keep going. But, look, you have a running back in Logan Diggs who's bursting on the scene at a, at a really rapid pace. And I'd like to see if he can, you know, break through this Auburn front seven, whatever you want to call it, because I really think he can. And the more balanced attack you get, I think they can exploit Auburn in a, in a myriad of ways just because I know that Auburn is – 
it's an interesting season for them, the transition period under Hugh Freeze. And I think Hugh Freeze is fantastic. He's a, he's a recruiting guru, and I think he's going to get them on track sooner rather than later. But this year just isn't it. And, you know, ultimately I think LSU's offense is going to exploit that defense in, in a bunch of different ways. And the thing about this, though, with Auburn and LSU, it is always an interesting matchup because you have absolutely no mm. idea what is going to happen. I don't. It's nowhere. It's not at the top of the best SEC rivalries, but I think mm. it's sometimes it's the weirdest and strangest SEC rivalries out there. It's unique. And you know, when I was a couple of years back, when I was like in school, and I went to UL and stuff, and so I came in town for a game, and I could see the Bo Nix show. And uh, you know, man, that was one of the most unique games I've ever seen. Um, just watching him just run in circles and just do whatever he can and just keep everybody on their toes in the stands. So, yeah, it's always a unique game. It's always fun, exciting. And, you know, I hope we get that this week. I hope we get a really good game. But, you know, what I want to say is, you know, I really do think, you know, LSU is going to come out and have something to prove with Jaden Daniels looking to continue that Heisman watch uh, season. Yeah, I mean, I'm tipping my hat a little bit. I'm, I'm leaning LSU in this one. Uh, I may make some people here uh, mad at me about that, but that's kind of where I'm going. Uh, but anyway, Zach, I'm looking forward to it, and I, I was looking forward to our conversation. Uh, this was a lot of fun having you on to talk uh, all things LSU. If the uh, listeners and viewers want to check you out online, where can they find you and all the work you're doing? Yeah, so we're pumping out content like crazy on LSU Country on Sports Illustrated. It's si.com slash LSU, and we are putting out a ton of football stuff, recruiting content, Men's basketball, women's basketball, because you got to keep Kim. You got you got to do the Kim Mulkey content, man. That women's basketball program is special. So, baseball, man, you name it, we're pumping it out. So, LSU Country on Sports Illustrated, you'll find me on there, and you'll see all the LSU content you need, man. And if you want to go to Twitter, at Znagy20 is my handle. So, or X, we were saying earlier. So, whatever you yeah. want to call it, man, you'll find me on there, and any LSU content, you'll certainly see it from me. As everybody go check Zach's content out. I know you want to. I know everybody wants to go see what's going on with LSU. So go check them out. Uh, but Zach, anyways, I appreciate the time and I hope we can do this again sometime down the road. Absolutely, dude. Let's do it again. Really good stuff. Everybody, next up here on the Thursday edition of Wiregrass Daily News Sports, I am joined by Connor Goodson. He covers the Arkansas Razorbacks for the Razorbacks Wire, part of USA Today, also over at Hall Country as well. And, uh, Connor, appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, talk some Arkansas. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. Um, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of an interesting time to come on and talk about the Hogs because, you know, they're in the midst of uh, what was probably going to be one of the best seasons under Sam Pittman that's turning into one of the worst. So um, there's definitely not a shortage of things to talk about when it comes to the Hogs. Yeah, it's been quite interesting uh, watching them and see how things have been going. Of course, they lose 27-20 to 20 to Ole Miss on on Saturday. Just four straight losses. I know you kind of you can't narrow it all down to one thing. But, I mean, what's been the pitfalls? Because a lot of these games, they've been close games. They've been right there in all of these contests. But offensive line issues is when they struggle running yeah. the ball, struggle protecting KJ, that's that's number one. But just for you overall, just your overall look on this team, or why aren't they having a better season? Yeah, I, I mean that's the that's the million dollar question. But uh, to your point, the offensive line issues. I mean, it's really the same three issues that keep popping up in all of these games. That they've lost four straight, but three of the four were one possession games. So it's they've been close. And I know Arkansas fans are tired of hearing we're close because it seems like every coach in recent memory has said, you know, we're close, we're close, but it's at some point it doesn't cut it. But um, 
to what you said, the offensive line has been atrocious this year, um, which is kind of ironic with a Sam Pittman coach team. But uh, the offensive line has been so bad that at some point you can't even really tell if the transition from Kendall Bryles to Dan Enos is really the problem because the offensive line can't block to do anything. So uh, that's been an issue. But the penalties also in all three one-possession losses uh, to BYU at home, to LSU, and then last week to Auburn, or, I mean, uh, Ole Miss, uh, double-digit penalties, which is really not a good not a good sign, but it's not traditional from a Sam Pittman coach team because he's usually got really disciplined, uh, smart football teams. And then uh, various game management decisions have also been very questionable, whether against BYU they go for it deep in uh, their deep in BYU or their own territory and get stuffed and BYU scores off of it. You don't do that. You probably have a chance to win the game. Um, you know, LSU, the defense played awful, but they didn't have timeouts at the end to stop LSU. And then last week, just some play calling stuff was questionable, but it's just nothing has really gone right except on the defensive side of the ball. They've had a lot of good things happen, but it's the same three issues, too many penalties, bad offensive line and questionable decisions just keep, cropping up and keeping them from winning. You know, and, and looking at the Ole Miss game going into this one, and you probably had to think going in offensively, okay, we got an opportunity here because what they just gave at LSU, which, you know, LSU's the top offense in the conference, but still you got K.J. Jefferson. This mm-hmm. is, you know, if Jay Daniels was able to run wild on you think, okay, K.J. should be able to do the same thing. Yeah. And they get down 17-7 early, but they did come out in the early in the fourth quarter. They took a 20-17 lead. What changes did you see with them? How were they able to make that comeback and take the lead? Well, I think midway through the game, they went back to what their opening drive in the game was, you know, textbook quintessential what we've come to expect. They did have some issues with guys on the offensive line jumping and kind of backing them up, but they were able to overcome it like we saw against LSU. They were able to kind of overcome those mistakes. Uh, KJ looked a lot more confident on it's, – it's wild to me because – he just hasn't looked like the same KJ consistently. There's been you've seen flashes of the old KJ in some of these games, like you mentioned during that comeback stretch. He was just you know getting back to what he does, looking at his first couple of reads, and if they're not there, taking off. Um, but he's just not really been comfortable. He's lost a lot of his confidence. It's not that same swagger that we're used to seeing from KJ, and some of that's he knows he's going to about to be hit because the offensive line is so bad. And some of it's also maybe he's not completely comfortable in Danny Nose's scheme uh, because he does have a reputation for wanting more pocket passing quarterbacks. But when we saw them make that comeback, they were able to, you know, get short passes, move the pocket, get KJ out there because it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a quarterback. It seems like he's better throwing on the run and more accurate throwing on the run than he is, you know, sitting in the pocket, mm-hmm. progressing through his reads and stuff. It's, it's wild, but that's where he's, he's shown way more confidence in his career. And so I think doing that, it was able to kind of give some confidence, but at the end of the day, the offensive line just couldn't hold up their end uh, of the responsibility to be able to block in order for them to make that one final push and one final drive to pull out the win. 
you know, it wasn't, you know, I've seen this some spots on the internet going into the season when they bring Dan Enos in, of course, mm-hmm. experienced previously uh, at Arkansas, uh, mostly with the Wilson brothers, uh, yeah. Tyler and, and Austin there. Uh, but kind of with KJ giving him more of a chance to run more of a pro style offense, you know, maybe give him, you know, more be ready when he goes into the draft in NFL. Cause obviously Kendall Browse, that is not an NFL yeah. style offense. Um, does it seem like maybe he is struggling with that going under center and versus doing the, what he did under Kendall Browse? Yeah, I, I think, I think that's a big part of his struggles too, is just, he's not, he's not ever going to be one of those quarterbacks that can sit, give you a three-step drop and sit in the pocket and progress through all these reads. He's that's not really what makes him a good quarterback You in uh yeah, Danny Enos wants a quarterback that can do that, sit in the pocket. He he's not really building offenses around dual threat quarterbacks who can, you know, extend plays and make these insane um broken tackle plays where they extend the extend the pocket and you know, like BYU last year where he sheds off like five tackles and <laughs> finds a receiver downfield wide open. You know, that stuff just normally doesn't happen, so it's kind of unique and I think that they've had this weird tug and pull where they're trying to let KJ be KJ, but they're also trying to keep it in the back of his mind. Hey, we want you to do this. You And the routes that the receivers are running, they're just taking a little too long to develop, um, making it difficult for KJ to make the proper read. They're not really getting separation either. That's been a big issue. And, you know, you have that combined with the offensive line, not giving them enough time, not being able to establish the run. It's just not a recipe to accurately see how KJ's doing because he's either getting hit or, you know, having to make something out of nothing. Uh, but I do think that some of that is the scheme that Enos is running. He's just not confident and um, really comfortable in it. And that along with all the other issues that I just said, it's just, not a good formula right now. Let me correct myself on something. I got the Arkansas quarterbacks confused. Austin and Brandon Allen. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, the, the Allen before. brothers. Because their dad yeah. was on staff for a while too, and I think yeah, that because they both Fayetteville products. But but yeah, but Tyler Wilson's an Arkansas kid too. So yeah, and they were back to back. So I was at Austin War number eight. And then I remember Tyler Wilson wore number eight. Yeah. So I think the numbers. Yeah, I just picture yeah. in in my head the quarterback with that number. So yeah. I had to make sure I corrected myself because anybody for the, the Arkansas fan base listens to this, they'll, I, uh, they'll I call you out for sure. But we got I know some of them. I know some of them. So <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and just you know, look looking forward to the rest of the season. I mean, you look at okay, playing Alabama mm-hmm. this weekend. And Alabama's kind of – I think they've kind of figured out who they are. Um, mm-hmm. They want to run the ball, play action with Jalen Milrow, play great defense. Uh, they stifled Ole Miss in the second half of their game, did the same thing to A&M in their game. When you look at this this match in an 11 a.m. game with Alabama, mm-hmm. what are some keys for Arkansas to keep this game close and to also pull off the upset? Well, I think that the this team's going to have to do something that they haven't showed that they can do all season, and it may even take a little divine intervention. But, um, but in all seriousness, I think it's going to have to be a perfect formula of you know it is an eleven o'clock game. Maybe Alabama they're feeling themselves a little bit. They feel comfortable, and maybe there's some overlooking Arkansas. You, you know, 
coming into this game, Arkansas hasn't beaten Alabama in 15 years. They're 0-16 dating back to 2007. So it's really tough for me to sit here and say, well, this 2-4 and four team that has struggled to beat really anyone is going to be able to be the team that, you know, breaks that streak. But, I mean, crazier stuff has happened. I think what you're going to have to see is the defense continue their extremely incredible play. I've been super pleased with the job that Travis Williams has done with that uh, with that defense. He took one of the worst defenses in college football last year to be one of the the only real bright spot that you can lean on. I mean, the defense has played well enough for Arkansas to win all four of these previous games. Mm-hmm. Um, they just haven't had the offense that can do it. So I think you're going to have to see uh, Alabama's defense struggle a lot. You're going to have to see the offensive line play out of their minds to give KJ time and give some of these receivers time to go through the routes. Arkansas is going to have to get some much better play from their running backs. Rocket Sanders, who was a preseason All-American watch list contender, has just completely struggled to get anything going. Some of that's injury. He did miss like three games due to injury, and he hasn't really looked the same. But some of that's also he's missing holes. He's not really getting his reads. And it's just some of it's frustration. Like I said, this offense doesn't have a lot of confidence right now. So you're going to have to see them get a lot of confidence, get some early scores, and make it a game going in the second half. And you know, all you can really ask from this team is to be competitive into the second half and give give themselves chances to win. Uh, and then eventually you have to hope now that the gauntlet of the schedule is over and you get a little bit easier opponents that maybe some of those games will start to go your way instead of the other way. Yeah, and, and one of the key matchups, I think, against Alabama, I mean, looking at the stats, I mean, Arkansas's top five in SEC and sacks. I mean, mm-hmm. once again, uh, they're up there in the sack numbers. And I really think well, one thing Alabama struggles with is pass protection. Um, A&M had six sacks on Jalen Milrow on Saturday, had five in the first half. And then you also look at the fact is when they played Texas, that was a big issue. It's been an issue all season for Alabama. Mm-hmm. Jalen Milrow's a talent that can get away from it just because of his athletic ability, but still. That's been an issue. How, how do you see that? that? That could potentially be something that could go in Arkansas's favor. I mean, obviously, if you get pressure on the quarterback, that changes things. Yeah, and that's when Arkansas's defense has really been at their best this season is when they can get pressure on the quarterbacks and make guys make mistakes. It And to Travis Williams' credit, he's been really great about knowing when to time that pressure and not have them get beat. The second half against LSU was one of the – one of their – definitely a difficult stretch for them is the worst stretch of defense in the in the season so far but you really saw them bounce back in a big way against Texas A&M and then last last week against Ole Miss it's been you know you can't really ask for them to do more much more they have been able to get to the quarterback and create sacks they're going to have to continue to do that because if they can get get pressure on Milrow and maybe break some of that confidence and and that swagger they can maybe you know generate some turnovers and and make this a game because they're going to have to do a lot more turnover wise creating points creating you know they're going to have to create even more opportunities than they have been because uh, the thing we know about Nick Saban is that his teams I know the offense hasn't been there completely this year but they're one of the best teams and he's one of the best coaches about taking advantage of opportunities and knowing when to when to capitalize on other teams mistakes so that's something that Arkansas is going to have to kind of take and, and use this week to stay in the game and make it competitive 
going into the second half. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing too. You know, Jalen Monroe played really well for Alabama this past week, over 300 yards um, in their game against AM, but he threw the one interception. So he still kind of has those capable, those tendencies to maybe throw mm-hmm. into coverage or th- not quite see things like he needs to do. I mean, he's, you know, when we look at the quarterbacks, we know who's the most experienced quarterback in this matchup is KJ Jefferson. So, yeah. you know, that's, and I, Arkansas's got seven interceptions on the year. So, you know, looking at that, you mentioned getting turnovers to take advantage. If he gives you one, you got, you got to pick it off. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the things that I think this defense compared to last year's off. I mean, they were able to get pressure and they led the SEC in sack or they were close to lead the SEC in sacks last year, but the secondary just was not able to take advantage of any of that pressure and they weren't able to really play well enough to stop the run but you know this year they're able to get guys who you know play the ball more they're able to take advantage of those bad throws and make make quarterbacks pay for you know throwing making the wrong decisions and uh that's kind of what we saw from travis williams that got me really excited for the hires because under gus malzahn at ucf they were able to generate turnovers at an incredibly high clip and we've seen that we've seen that time and time again this year where they're just, you know, they make something out of nothing, nothing, and they give the offense a golden opportunity. It's just the offense hasn't been able to to do those things to capitalize on it, but the defense has been stellar and for them to have a chance this week, it's going to have to, a lot of that responsibility falls on the defense again. It's going to be interesting. Like I said, it is an 11 o'clock kickoff on Saturday, early, early, early football. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be, It'll be interesting to see how Arkansas does and see this matchup with Alabama. Uh, and, Connor, sure. it's been a lot of fun having you on the show. I appreciate you taking the time coming on to talk all things Arkansas. If the listeners and viewers want to catch you out online, uh, check you out online, uh, where can they find you and all the work you're doing? Uh, you can find me at Connor Goodson on Twitter. Just one word, my name. Um, I write for Razorbacks Wire. I've got content all, all throughout the week leading up on Arkansas all Arkansas athletics also do some writing for hog country. And I also have a a podcast where I kind of do some episodes weekly. I give my live reactions to games immediately following games where I can just kind of, it's more of a a tool to vent a little bit and kind of get things off my chest immediately. But, uh, but yeah, it's the house of hog podcast, wherever you get your podcast, if you want to check it out and listen to it. Um, So yeah, you can check me out there, but it's on my socials and uh, man, Philip, I really appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Connor's been a lot of fun talking all things Razorbacks with you. And I hope we can do some some time down the road. For sure. I look forward to it anytime. All right. And thanks to both Connor and Zach for coming on. Really fun conversations, guys. First time I've ever uh, had them on any podcast I've ever done. Really enjoyed it. So they will be uh, returning. I will be asking them to come on show again in the future. Because, look, and we'll get past football season. We got basketball. Uh, and that's coming up soon. Uh, SEC basketball media days are next week. So uh, expect some basketball-related guests coming on the show. And uh, that's going to do it. All I'm going to say, Braves lost 10-2 to last night. We got to get it right. Uh, game four coming up uh, if they want to uh, continue the series against the best of five. And uh, I have a friend that wants to go to game five. So he is needing uh, the Braves to win uh, game four. So we'll talk about it. I'll be back tomorrow. Now, you heard us preview the Auburn, LSU, and Alabama-Arkansas games there. Well, we'll, You'll get some more of that tomorrow. Matt will be coming on the show. We're getting you ready for the weekend. Uh, We're going to dive into some non-SEC games too as well. And just go ahead for the people watching on YouTube. 
I want you guys to know this. Uh, we actually recorded that on Wednesday evening. So you will see me in the exact same uh, shirt and everything else that you see me in now. I don't want y'all to think I don't wash clothes or just wear the same shirt all the time. That's just, uh, we sometimes you got to record these interviews on the same day. So anyways, hey, kind of like a TV show. It's not live. That part, the interview part sometimes, you know, we just we got to do what you got to do. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. I hope everybody has a great Thursday. We'll also get you ready for the high school football weekend as well on tomorrow's show. So it'll be a big show on Friday, as always. Anyways, guys, follow me on social media. Hit me up. Apple Podcast, follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I'll read it on a future edition of the show. And if you just leave four stars, you are a straight-up hater. You can always email me at sportsoutfieldjordan at gmail.com. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in to today's Wiregrass Daily News Sports. Make sure to tune back in tomorrow for more of the sports you love in the Wiregrass. Check out the podcast at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Continue the conversation and connect with Philip on social media at PJordanSEC.